All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston with with me as always, my main man, Lou. Lou, here we are looking at the final week, uh, recapping the final week of the 2021 NFL season. And we'll start to look forward here into wild card weekend, which I'm pretty excited about for all the obvious reasons. Before we do that, I'd be remiss to say that it was a pretty wild weekend of football in our first ever in our lifetime, uh, 18 weeks of NFL. And it kind of was everything that you thought it might be with all those divisional matchups to close out the week and everything you saw going on. There were multiple winning in scenarios for teams out there. Um, I didn't notice. No, I didn't. I'll give you your stage here and we'll talk about it. But yeah, why would you know anything about it? Um, we saw the Colts lose to the Jaguars, shattering their playoff hopes. They were a win and in scenario. Um, heading into this weekend, I actually thought we were going to be witnessing Ben Roethlisberger's final game in the NFL. And yet here we are. They somehow, some way made it into the playoffs due to um, certain scenarios and how they unfolded. Both mm-hmm, mm-hmm. your Chargers and my 49ers had winning in games in, in front of them, although their scenarios were a little different. Uh, but still, they they own their own destiny, right? Like if both those teams won, they're, they're in the playoffs. But I digress. I think it's probably opportune time for us to dive right into it because we do have a lot to cover. Uh, before we do that, anything you want to add to kick us off here? Ah, well, a couple of things. First, first and foremost, how uh, it's karma that perhaps the two most exciting games this past weekend were both teams that we cover with our hometown takes. First, uh, so I thought that was uh, kismet, as uh, I think some people would say. Secondly, uh, from our last show, I told you what my New Year's resolution was going to be, and what is that, Weston? To be more zen, more calm. Uh, and boy, has this week really tested I, I i'm already off the bandwagon of yeah. uh I, I already failed my new year's resolution uh the uh, fact between basically uh i got the Chargers game and all that stuff so yeah uh, a lot of outside factors that are are challenging our zen as well with what's mm-hmm. going on in the world and being parents and having children at home so i empathize um obviously both my wife and i were Definitely thinking of you. We stayed up and watched that entire game. Um, didn't miss a beat. I agree with you. I think the teams that we cover definitely provided the most exciting football of the weekend. Uh, maybe some fans of other teams might beg to differ, but yeah, like uh, the Giants yeah. might be like, no, nah, yeah, like, like, that thirty-nine uh, quarterback yeah. rush was was unbelievable, uh, dramatic. Yeah. Um, Did your so, wife ask you like, why does this guy Lou? like the charge why does he do this to himself why does he punish himself like this uh no actually <laughs> really funny do you do you watch the show new amsterdam no i do not okay so I mean, we already where we cover that you you watch like cbs like you're like yeah, a, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. a boomer I'm, I'm a 75 year old man who's yeah. retired so my wife and i watch new amsterdam and actually on the episode last night there was a guy who had uh an ailing heart and he had like a deep heart condition but Sounds he was like a <laughs> but he was a die hard new york knicks fan so like to the point where he was delaying his surgery 
because the Knicks were playing that night, right? And he's like, no, I can't miss a game. I can't miss a game. And he's going into explaining all of these things. He made the surgeon wear his lucky Knicks jersey to perform the surgery on him. And when he woke up, the first thing that he asked about was, did the Knicks win the game? And the surgeon is just like, listen, the Knicks are going to kill you. Like, they're literally going to kill you. And she's saying all this stuff and he's saying all this stuff. And my wife is just staring at me like, hmm, this looks really familiar because I deal with this throughout the NFL season with you and the 49ers. Because I do always say that they're going to shave at least 10 years off my life. Just they're, being they're, like, they're like cigarettes. They're yeah, the, dude. for these teams are like cigarettes. Dude, it's so bad. Like it's it is so bad. Like it dicta- like like you're going through right now dictates my entire week, how I treat people, how I treat my own family is based off the performance. I'm a much nicer person when it's not football season, right? I'm pretty even keeled during football season. I am a horrible individual to be around unless we win. Then I'm the most delightful individual. Yep. And this is why I tell you every game is a must win game. Let me tell you the, the nicest week of the football season that I, I am to everyone. It's bye week. Knowing bye that, week, yep. <laughs> knowing that there's no anxiety to watch the game. Yep. Uh, or anything like that, and they're, they're not going to lose. But then yet we do fantasy football, and it's like there's enough stress there as well, yeah. right, because your pride's on the line. So is what it is. Yeah, so let's, let's dive into it. Let's dive into it. So a little different rendition of our, our hometown takes here. Uh, Lou and I are going to interview one another based off of our team's games and what's upcoming or on the horizon for each team. So, Lou, I will begin. We will start with, obviously – that game we just identified, that Sunday night uh, barn burner between the Chargers and the Raiders. So the first question I have for you, sir, is last week in our pickums, you picked the Raiders to win this game. But to me, it felt like you were protecting your heart a little bit. No, I was not. So what did you really expect the outcome of this game to be before kickoff? I ex- Listen, I expected the Raiders to beat the Chargers, and I told you why. I thought Gus Bradley, he didn't, would, would dial up something different. Uh, even if you watch Good Morning Football, um, uh, when Peter Schrager was covering some of the battles between the Chargers and the Raiders throughout history, it was like five games he went over, how memorable they all have been. And guess what, Weston? Of those five games, the only time the Chargers ever got lucky and won those uh uh, won one of those games was just one game. They were one and one and four in those matchups. The Holy Roller. Uh, there were so many different games that the Chargers always squander at the last second to the Big Brother Raiders. And I really thought the Chargers were going to charge her. I just thought. I said earlier this year. What did I say? I've been pounding the table, Weston. I've been arguing with you. You made me believe. I'm pissed, pissed off at you. It was a year too soon, and you get no, 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 and you made me believe and. I really don't. I really did think the Raiders were going to win. If we don't have our belief, what do we have, right? Uh, our sanity. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. I mean, Jesus, aren't you? You're not kidding. All right. So this is a little foreshadowing type of a question, and feel free to ad lib here. But as you were watching Storm Norton try to protect Herbert from Max Crosby, what were your real thoughts? All right. <clears throat> So before I get into something, a question like this, I have to say, and I've seen this before, so I'm not going to take credit for something so smart. But I'm going to let you know that being a Chargers fan is like one of those choose-your-own-adventure books. 
but no matter which adventure or scenario you select, you're going to die. So just how do you want to die? <laughs> ex- that, that's exact. That's exactly what it is. So I have on my notes, like watching the game, there's a lot of things that people will probably throw words in my mouth. Like, are you pissed about the fourth downs and, and stuff off and stuff like that? But the notes I have right here is what I'm really pissed off at. And one of my uh, bullet points is leaving Storm Norton one-on-one against Max Crosby too, way too many times. Way too many times. Crosby had a fantastic game. They had no answer for him. Uh, it, it just it just was disheartening. Frankly, I didn't know. I didn't think Storm Norton should have started this, this weekend. Here you are. He's just coming back off of COVID. Uh, the week before, Trey Pimpkins, uh, we talked about him. Game. He had a good game. I thought he should have been the starter at right tackle, and I thought he, he could have done a worse job than Storm Norton, a former XFL player. Uh, they're going to have to address that right side uh, of that line because uh, the left side is fantastic, but uh, it was very frustrating. Uh, it's well known. Max Crosby is one of the best at applying pressure. His sack numbers not, might not be up, but if you look at his pressure numbers, they're fantastic. So yeah, we, I, I felt like Staley waited way too long to, to have Jared Cook, you know, uh, you know, chip him. Uh, uh, from the slot. So I was pretty pissed off about that. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what I was trying to draw out of you, right? I wasn't trying to, it, you know, the layup would have been to <clears throat> knock storm Norton as a player, right? What I was more hoping for, and you were, you answered this the way that I wanted you to was more schematically. Like what are we doing here schematically that we are not accounting for the weak side of our, our front against a, a high pressure player that is, proven to be a disruptive player like where are the chips where's holding the tight end in um on, on a couple routes just to give that but extra like, second just it wasn't there how much is like too much before you start I'm like oh we get, we need to provide this yeah. guy some help like yeah. how much is gonna what's the straw that breaks the camel's back I, like i didn't understand i'm like all right you know this is quarter three now like you might want to they did not do it until that crazy fourth quarter i felt like yeah um and then look how the offense rolled, right? So let's just let's leave it at. It just at makes that. some sense. You don't need to help Slater. Yeah, no, not at all. Like, like, look, so like, why not just have some help to the right side? It's like your left side is completely locked down for the most yeah. part. But, yeah. You know, they're human, whatever. But I just was extremely frustrated. That was one of the things I was really pissed off about. I mean, I can go. I have a couple other things, but you know, yep. that's neither here or there. So let's talk a little bit about the the fourth quarter, right? So I don't know, thirteen minutes or so left in the game. Um, you're trailing 26-14, so it's a two-possession game. Herbert throws a pick. At that point, did you think this game was over, dead to rights? What was going through your mind right then and there? 100%. I'm like, they're cooked. Even just looking at them for the first couple of quarters, I just felt like even when they scored their first 14 in the in the first half, they're off. Like it was too much of a struggle just to get yards, I felt like. Uh, yeah, they were moving the ball and everything, but I just felt like the Raiders were right there defensively when it comes to passes and what have you. So that pick, I thought, all right, that's going to put me out of my misery. It's all right. I started thinking, you know, hey, the season was – this was a good season. You know, here you are. You have a young quarterback, you know, who, who, who played phenomenal. Like I started to get into that, like, I wanted to be more zen-like because of my New Year's resolution. I come – you know, the many stages of grief, I was that acceptance. Okay. Question. I was at acceptance. 
<laughs> so I'm like, you know what? They'll get better next year. Don't worry about it type stuff. Um, so yeah, I I, I I thought that game was I thought the game was over 100. percent Yeah. All right. So to your to, to the point that you just made, right? Like, hey, okay, season's over, but we have some good pieces here. Uh, one of them was clearly the quarterback. A little fill in the blank for you. Justin Herbert is blank. Justin Herbert is a top three quarterback. There you go. Top three. If you weren't going to say it, I was going to say it. I Okay, so of all the years we watch football, we see some crazy shit, Weston. Have you ever seen anything like that fourth quarter in Justin Herbert, the fourth downs? Nope. So let's talk about it. Have you ever seen someone with that much pressure on them look that like that like nonchalant about it? Bro, expression never changed in his face. Like no panic. No. um, Here's one thing that I loved about him that was super telling to me. Um, And I don't want to dive too far into this because this is part of my next question for you, where I'm going to let you go and tell me what you saw in that in those those final two possessions, if you will. But during those final two possessions, there was a missed opportunity to Austin Eckler, where it just looked like he lost the ball down the sideline. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Oh my god, it was like a little, it was like a little floater. It was a lollipop up there. And Eckler's head was turned inside, and the pass was outside. Yeah, wrong, right, right. Happens during a game. At no point did Herbert do the "Oh my gosh" or what the your arms up? Nothing. It was back in the huddle. Next play. Right. Yeah. Like that to me is a, a characteristic that you can't coach. You probably can't teach it. You either have that gene or you don't. And to have that to coincide with the talents that he has, bro. All right. So I'm he is what I've been telling you that he is. Here's the thing. I'm going to say even something more. Even the greats would be frustrated at that play. You're Brady. Yeah. Brady would ream you out on the sideline because he expects Rod- more. Rogers would be, you know, would have like that, you know, that look on him and what have you. But Herbert, when that happened, his head was already to the next play. Like yeah. his mind was already, you know, calculating the next play. And that's kind of crazy. You always hear the adage, you have to forget the last play. Always forget the last play. And that's a cliche that coaches tell their players to have amnesia so they don't get so hung up on the ba- a bad play. They don't want it to affect the next play. He actually does that. Seldom do I feel like I see anyone in the NFL do something like that. He flushes it, man. And and sometimes that leads to like bad games, right? Because you short-term memory, you flush it and you go out there and you just stick to what you're doing. You don't turn into a game manager. And, you know, even the greats are going to put up a dud. I'm not saying Herbert put up a dud in this, right? But I'm saying that mentality is what leads to those things every once in a while. You flush it, you're on to the next. All right, so here's your opportunity. I asked the previous question about Herbert Herbert about like what he is to you um, and fill in the blank because I do want to talk about more about those final two drives trailing 15 points, eight minutes left in the game. As a, f- a fanatic that you are, take me through what you saw in those final two possessions. Uh, it's kind of hard because uh, here you are like – Especially the first possession, the possession, because I'm thinking this is just garbage, garbage time, right? You know, gar- straight up garbage time. Uh, but what I saw was just a guy that was not going to quit. And 
it's crazy because his, his arm can do not only is he smart, but like if he can't diagnose a play, he'll make up for it with his big arm. So I I just thought it was insane that he spread the ball around. Uh, he did a fantastic job. Some of the fourth down. What people really need to do is not just watch the game. You got to try to watch like different like um, like uh, angles of the th- of some of these throws and when he throws the ball and where he places it. For example, <clears throat> that uh, game tying touchdown to Mike Williams. When he releases the ball, Mike Williams was double. They had him bracketed inside and outside. And Mike Williams looked wide open. For, I mean, he got the ball so quick to Mike Williams because of that, you know, it was like a, what was it? It was like on the 12-yard line with like four seconds left. It just was insane how quick the ball gets there. And not only does it get there, it gets there on a rope. Yep. So even the touchdown to, was a fourth and, what, fourth and 23? Fourth and 21, fourth and they and got 21. 23 yards. That 23-yard, that throw, it, it, that, that throw, it never, well, as soon as it left his hand, it stays same straight. Height. It's the same, same height, yep. Is that insane? And you here you are, you have a cover three defense with the Raiders. Cover three, basically, you prevent big plays. Yep. That's what, that's what it's all about. You prevent the big plays. You try to force them to go underneath, knowing that they have to score a touchdown. And they still weren't able, defenses are having trouble reacting to his arm strength. The ball's getting to the receivers way before they can even react. And I just saw the perhaps him and like we're gonna talk about Burrow too, but the next coming of the greats, Tom Brady, yeah. Aaron Rodgers, they're gonna they're they're starting to get on their horses, you know, and then riding the sunset. I feel like <clears throat> him, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, like these are your upcoming greats. And I really feel like that like he could be Peyton Manning esque, dude. He's going to be a great player in this league. I've I've said this since day one. I will never back off this until he's like not in the league because he's capable of doing all of it. And I agree with what you're saying. And what exemplifies the greatness to me is you meant you use the term garbage time, right? Cover three, where all right, maybe the first drive. Where they go down, the one that resulted in the Palmer touchdown on that fourth and twenty-one. Garbage time. I'm like, oh, okay. Garbage time. Like, okay, you chalk that up. But then to come back and do it again in the same fashion. I mean, dude, you're talking about across. And keep me honest here, I might be off by one or two, but across those two drives, they faced five fourth down scenarios six, in those six, two. Four, six, six fourth down. And, and they if you couple like, the hunt, they went fourth and one. No, no. Yes. These were fourth, fourth and, and long. Yes. Fourth and 21. Yeah. If you couple that with third and long scenarios that they cover with, you're talking about 10 different scenarios across those two drives were big plays. And I know one of the fourth downs, they picked up like the, the defensive holding call, but that wasn't a ticky tack foul. That was defensive holding. Yeah. Like right from the ref. Yeah. Like the, yeah. Like that has to be called. Right. Or otherwise people are losing their freaking mind. Um, but I saw what you saw. I saw, greatness like unfolding right in front of me i saw you know i hate to ice in the veins i hate that term but like ice in the veins from somebody who's just relentless and knows what it takes to win like it's just a winner he's just a winner i know they didn't win the game but he wasn't there was no quitting that man he could easily and he didn't allow his team around it and dude those wide receivers were exhausted yeah, exhausted because you mentioned third and longs, fourth and longs. They're running deep patterns. Got to get back. No time on the clock. Like 
they were exhausted, but I almost felt like they're like, yo, if this guy can do it, we can do it. Like we just got to get it together. Um, mm -hmm. The only thing that for me is I didn't see, uh, I didn't see enough Keenan Allen on those final two drives. Right. Yeah. And I know that's not his, like, listen, I'm as big a Keenan fan as, as anybody, but I know that's not necessarily like his strong suit. Right. Like, like it felt more like explosive, big play, like Palmer type, Mike William type, like scenarios. Um, but on like those four fourth and sixes, those like third and eights that they saw, like that should yeah. be Keenan Allen prime territory. I agree. So we talked about his arm strength. We talked about how cool and collective he was under pressure. And I want to talk real quick about his intelligence when they went for the two point conversion after that, uh, uh, the first drive and that touchdown. Yep. To echo, uh, I got it. Yep. He went through five progressions. Oh yeah. Eckler was the fifth read getting pressured by Crosby rolling to his left. He went through all five progressions. Eckler was the last one and ripped it right into the corner of the end zone for a, for a two point. Conversion. Where only Eckler could catch it too, by the way. Yeah. So like what the, this guy's a, he's a golden God. Yep. Justin Herbert. I'm going to I'm going to change my answer. Uh, Justin Herbert is a golden God. Okay. I, no dispute here, man. Um, at least everything that I've seen over the last two years, like, somebody try to refute me that this guy is at, at a bare minimum, not a top five quarterback. Like yep. I, we, I will invite you on the show. We can have that argument all day. I'm not even a chargers fan and I will still ref, like try to refute that. You just can't like, there's just, if you're, if you are eyes are open and understand the game of football, you understand what this man brings to the table and that the Chargers are going to be a real problem. And it's not going to really depend. Like it's going to be more about him then who you surround him with, protect him, keep him upright, and he's going to raise the level of everybody else's game around him. He's that, he's that guy, right? Like he's in. If I was to say Justin Herbert is an elevator of talent, like he will make everybody around him better. No, LA has two more years to uh, take advantage. Of yeah, you got to go contract. get it now. Why is on that rookie contract? Because boy, you're gonna have to pay that man some money that I yeah. that yeah. we haven't even seen yet. All right, two to three more questions here. So I saved this one. I wanted this one to be for last, but really my last ones are more about like forward thinking. Do you think Brandon Staley cost his team a trip to the playoffs this year? In this game, in, in this that, game, in this game, in that scenario that I'll paint the scenario calling that timeout in overtime. No, no. Okay. Oh, 100% did. Oh, you're 100% wrong. Okay. 100% did. Right. All right, let me tell you why. There, uh, <laughs> I 100% no... cost you the playoffs, dude. All right. All right. Well, not because of that timeout. Yes, because of that timeout. Oh, you are. All right. Sachio was running that ball, bro. Like, And yeah. they let him go for a big run. But, dude, they called the timeout and almost forced them to take the other play. Like, dude, Sachio, after the interview, you see him. He's I like, know. I guess we'll never know. Like, dude, he at that point. These guys Lesson. were exhausted. You're in overtime. Both of you can go to the playoffs, bro. He, I'm telling you, they weren't even going to make a push to go to. Okay, to the so let's tell our listeners. I did not know any of the questions you're going to ask me. No, but, you did not. But I prepared for this timeout question, and I have one, two, three, four, six bullet points to disprove why you're wrong. The scenario: third and four at the Chargers' 39-yard line. Staley calls a timeout with the play clock was near zero, and there's 36 seconds left. Am I wrong so far? No. Correct me when I'm wrong. All right. So if the Chargers stop taking the run, game's over, there's not there's not another play. Forty second play clock. Like okay. they, they were. Right. Hold on. Let me let me let me keep on going. All right. 
they're going to take a knee. Then how come when they call it was third and four, then they called the timeout the Chargers? Yep. The Raiders were in shotgun formation, 11 personnel. How did, why did they, that's not looking like they're taking a knee there. No. I'm telling you, the scenario and the thought process changed when Staley took the timeout. There, they there's, then no, they're saying, no, no you're fuck them. Now we're going to play to win this game. All I need is four or five more yards. They could, bro, I'm telling you. I'm telling you he cost you this playoffs. Hold on. So before the timeout, pre-timeout, yep. the Raiders were in shotgun formation, 11 personnel. They were going to run the ball no matter what. It was third down. They weren't going to take a knee. They were going to see what they can get. And let me tell you why. Because if the Chargers stop them for no, no gain, right, that's a 57-yard field goal. All right, maybe they would have then uh, – pretty much ran the clock out then, right? Yep. But Staley didn't – the timeout did not cost them to lose the game. You know what caused them to lose the game? Giving up like 10 yards eight, on that run. Yards <laughs> yeah. yes, that's what caused them to lose the game. They were going to run – they were They were going to run no matter what. They were going to run the ball no matter what. Because they it, were going to let the clock run out. Yeah, but I'm, they weren't going to take it – no, they weren't going to take a knee. But Sachi literally said that they were going to run another play after this, even before the timeout. They're going to run another. It was going to be a run. It just happens that the fact, you know, Staley knew that. Staley's like, we have to try to stop them for a minimal gain. Call the timeout. Try to get your best defenders in there to stop the run, which means absolutely nothing when you're talking about the Chargers' rush defense, right? Yep. And if you stop the run, that. That's it. That the game would have been over. They wouldn't have gone for a 57 yard field, uh, 57 yard field goal. No, they just would have let the clock run. If it was exactly. a one or two yard game, they would have let the clock. So run. I don't understand what you're talking about, like the timeout co- costing them the game. I, I don't understand why people keep on saying that. I, I just don't get it. I just feel like it changed the play call. Uh, change the play be, call. It was going to be a run no matter what. Yeah, but dude, there's a big difference between outside the tackle, you know, between the the guard and the tackle versus like, yo, just make this just a dive up the middle, right into the heart of their defense. It, I'm telling you, it upset Basaccia that he called that timeout. It upset uh, I, him and it changed the complexion of that game. Let me tell. All right, so if we're going through feelings and stuff like that, guess what? Basaccia is interim head coach trying to get his team to the, the playoffs. He was now, in. Yeah, yeah. He punched you know the what? ballot. He he he's an interim head coach. He was going to get his team to the playoffs, but he wanted to do it to kind of leave a mark to show that hey, I could coach this team against a rival, the rival, a rival in your own division. I think Basachi was going to run the ball no matter what. They were not taking a knee. They were going to at least run it on third down, see where he got them, and then go from there. Okay. Oh, oh, all right. <sighs> Good. Listen, I, I'm loving this. So, all right, real quick. I'm going to be honest with you right now. I have obviously followed the Chargers pretty intently this year due to our show. I am actually disappointed that they didn't make the playoffs because I just think they're as equally as talented as any of the teams from the AFC that are in Mm -hmm. the playoff race. I think you already alluded to this earlier when we were talking about like just letting Max Crosby run free for the game. Outside of that, was there anything you think that was missing from this game that contributed to the Chargers losing it. <laughs> Let me go to what I'm really pissed off about list right here. Uh, sh- 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 one fat. thing. Oh, no, no. Let me, I can, I'm going to – no, I can't, okay. can't just do one thing. <laughs> you got to my time to shine. Missed tackles. 
not sure why they're playing Kenneth Murray so much. I hate to say it, but Kenneth Murray is a bust, uh, the middle linebacker for the Chargers. Um, he had many costly penalties. He's very slow to react. He kind of reminds me of Jalen Smith from the Cowboys. Uh, Chris Harris, straight up liability this season. The guy can't guy can't cover anything. He he was awful. Uh, like we already talked about Storm Norton, the drop passes. Uh, oh, and last but not least, when I saw that third and twenty three yard run by Jalen Richard, I had nightmares of. Ray Rice. I'm not sure if you even realize it. Oh, I remember. I remember, remember that, that run. Yep. That that it that had like post traumatic stress disorder. Just watching that, I, I'm like, wow, that's Ray, Ray Rice is on the Raiders now. Holy yeah. shit! Uh, but what I really think, when I'm really pissed off, when it all comes said and done, it's not this game, Weston. What I'm really pissed off about and why they're not in the playoffs is that Houston game. Yeah, I have that on the I have that in the back of my mind. This game is absolutely nothing, meaningless, garbage, shit. If they win that, Houston. If they game. win, if they win against a three-win team, yep, that has nothing to play for. No talent. Brandon Cooks was out on COVID. They had twenty-six players out on COVID, and they, and they couldn't stop them. Yeah, that and is I, what I'm pissed about. Is that Houston game? Makes sense, right? I'm. Hindsight's twenty twenty, man. Why do you think I tell you every win every week's a must win? Because you never know when you actually need that win, right? Like, and at the time you could be like, all right, on to the next. But no. in reality, that's no. the difference between being that, in the playoffs and not. That's it. All right. Twenty twenty. Right? Well, 2021's in the rearview okay. mirror. I have two questions okay. for you, forward thinking. Okay. Twenty twenty two offseason plans, I'm gonna call this. What does this team do with Mike Williams? What do they do or what I, what I do? What would you do with Mike Williams? Yeah. Bye bye. Uh, too, too, too much money. Not too much production. money. He disappears too much. Yep. And I like Mike Williams. I resign him. But the problem is he's going to want something around like $18 million. That's going to be like almost like up. That's close to 20% of the cap space. I really don't think you can do that for that type of player. So, uh, what I would basically do is slide Palmer out to his position and try to draft a, a receiver or even sign a receiver, a more of a um, run-after-catch receiver, a quicker receiver, faster, yep. quick twitch receiver. They need something to – guess what? They're going to throw the ball underneath. This receiver can take that seven-yard slant or seven-yard pass or whatever you know, for 20, 30 yards. They need, they need, they need some type of diversification yep. from the uh, skill position of the wide receiver. Yeah, um, you know, because I've always said Keenan's that true like possession wide receiver, right? Yeah, you like, need he's Keenan. not often getting further than the reception where the reception took place. Yeah. Um, and the league's gone that way. I mean, shit, we'll talk about it here in a minute, I'm sure, about my team, right? But they there's these receivers made a have made a living off of catching a seven yard slant and going 30, 40, 50 to the house. You that's know, hard that's hard to they're hard to find, man. They are hard to find, but they do exist. They do. We got two of them, so I know they exist. <laughs> Last one. You can only one answer for this. What should be the priority focus in free agency position wise? Position wise. Okay. Uh, it's going to be defense. And what I would say trenches in the defense, defensive line slash edge. Okay. Like, they just need to get, they need to be more of a bully. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I was saying like D tackle, right? Like, cause that's what I think of when I think well, of bullies, I mean, right? They, like stuff to run. Like, well, they you, run 
they run a three four, so yeah, they're that's gonna true need too. A, so they're gonna need yeah the, the uh, so the nose, you know? yeah, the nose tackle three uh, three technique, uh, defensive end. So that's why I said D line. It's like they, they need they need it. No. What they did uh, with the offensive line this past this past year, how they revamped it, have four new starters. They need to do the same thing on the defensive line this year, and they had a cap to do it. They have seventy two million dollars. That's not including cutting Brian Belaga, which they will. But I can say I think up to like twelve to fifteen. Yeah, I mean they have a sizable cap number on paper, right? Like, yeah. you know, they're forced with signing, you know, potentially signing or the prospects of signing a lot of their own people that will quickly eat that up. You're right. I, I um, that, yeah. But you know, they on paper they have essentially what it takes to do. All right. So I you guess ready? it's my turn now. You ready to go on? Well, I was on the hot seat. You, you're, 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 I mean, you're all relaxed and shit. Uh, dude, I'm as cool. As the, I'm as cool as the other side of the pillow. <laughs> let's see if you're cool next week. Then. Yeah, right. yeah, probably not. All, all right, right, let's, let's go. go. Are, you, are you ready for some questions? I, right. I think so. I think so. Going into this game against the Los Angeles Rams, did you support Kyle Shannon for starting an injured Jimmy Garoppolo over Trey Lance? Yes. Um, I have been the, one of the bigger advocates of saying, you know, weeks ago, maybe it was time to, to move on. Um, I think I was a little blinded after what I saw in the Houston game and Trey's performance to say that, like, if we started him in this, if we started Trey in this must win game, that if he lost, I could walk away feeling a little bit better. Like, Hey, we're starting a rookie in his like third ever career start. Right. Like it was almost like protecting my heart. The reality is if, if Jimmy was 85% healthy, he, he just knows it gives Kyle all the playbook. And I think what Jimmy does well plays to what the Rams defense doesn't do well and it's get the ball out really fast trey holds the ball man like he's looking downfield that's what allows for down the field type throws like jimmy gets it out quick um the whole playbook's there um and for those reasons when jimmy was announced the starter i knew it was the right move but part of me was also like damn if you lose this game because you started a dude with a bad thumb and it gets off the it gets off the rails fast then it really looks like a poor decision but if you feel like jimmy can survive and make it through the game and he can he could throw the rock then he's got to at least start right because i think he the most important aspect of that is jimmy's knowledge of the offense allows kyle to be in his bag and when you're trying to beat a team for the sixth consecutive time like you need to be in your bag I'm actually going to disagree with you. I thought they should have started Trey Lance. Um, this is what I thought the game plan should have been for, for me if I was a fan. <clears throat> started Trey Lance for a couple of reasons. First of all, Rams not familiar familiar with him. They don't know really what the offense is going to look. Maybe a second week, you know, being a start a, a starter, Trey Lance would have been more comfortable because he did get he did get better towards that second half. Sure did uh, in, in the Texas game. So I would have started Trey Lance in the first half <clears throat> if he faltered. I would have seen if uh, Jimmy G could play hero ball, come out the second half, uh, and lead the team to, to a victory. Uh, could be a little, you know, a little foolish of me, but here you're also doing two things. You're having the Rams prepare for Trey Lance and the, you know, for the game, who has a completely different skill set than Jimmy Garoppolo. So if Jimmy Garoppolo comes back on the second half, they're going to have to readjust in their game plan almost on the fly. I know they play him twice a year, you know, for the last four years and what have you. But if you change your game plan, your philosophy, 
uh, mid-game. That can't be easy. No. So that's what I would have personally wanted if I was a fan. And listen, would I have been so wrong, though? Jimmy was awful. You could have started Trey Lance in that first half. Well, we didn't why. start a quarterback in the first half is the yeah, way so, that so, I look at so it. So I don't really think my idea is so, is so far-fetched or was so far-fetched. when I No, when I, I, just, I just think when you think of the Rams' front seven, what do you think is the strength? And I think pass rush, Von Miller, Aaron Donald. Again, Trey, his style of play, especially now with a limited playbook and limited knowledge, is – holds on to the ball it's tough to elude those guys like dude it's no accident that every time the 49ers at least the last six times that the 49ers have played the rams aaron donald is an afterthought in that game like he's not even discussed like when he is discussed it's daniel brunskill owned him or debo samuel is aaron donald's daddy like he it's in a very negative light and it's because when you're playing to jimmy's strength Dude, it's hard to argue. There are very few people that get rid of the ball faster than he does when he's actually releasing it. His release is money in terms of how quickly it gets out. And it just makes – it nullifies the pass rush. It does. Like, you know, you have someone like Trey in there, uh, big pressure game, big pressure situation. Like, that plays into Donald's strength. That plays into what Von Miller is going to give you – and I think, you know, as a defense, I'm, I'm just sending pressure at him all day long because he's he hasn't seen that yet. Now, again, I'm going back to your original question. I was blinded in the beginning by my heart because my heart would have protected me. Had we lost this game, regardless of the score, but it was Trey Lance's third start, I would have chalked up to very valuable experience for him, very valiant effort by the team after the, the way we started the year. Uh, let's start looking at 2022 and would have felt a little bit better about that. Had they lost because of Jimmy's poor performance and not a, like the thumb was clearly an issue and didn't make an adjustments. That's a, that's a much different pill to swallow. Thankfully we're not having that conversation. Well, sometimes you gotta be like Roxette and listen to your heart. <laughs> All right. So we alluded to before how the Niners actually ran, only ran 10 guys out on the offensive side of the field. Uh, in the first half, they did not have a quarterback being facetious, obviously, uh, right now. But what do you think was the biggest difference between the first half Niners and the second half Niners? How does a team like that completely turn it around within a half? Three things, two things, adjustments on both sides of the football, right? Like, and nothing to lose sometimes, right? Like leave it all on the field, nothing to lose. And momentum is a really funny thing in football. The biggest play of that game was sacking Stafford on that third down in the first half that gave us the ball back to at least go down and kick the field goal to stop the bleeding. Yes. This is exactly what happened when the, the last time or prior to 2019 but in the 2012 2013 season when we beat the atlanta falcons in the nfc championship in atlanta they went up on us quick 17 nothing came down kicked the field goal stopped the bleeding the entire complexion of the game changed you win that game you go to the super bowl so adjustments i think stafford was hot early and those and the um specifically cut getting open um higby open they had no running game all game right like we shut down the run but we weren't stopping the pass D'Amico side, side note how good is cup he's such a oh, he's so good 
He's so he good. is such a cerebral wide receiver. Like he's ridiculously smart. Yeah, he's not. Listen, he's obviously athletic to be in the NFL, right? But like, there's probably 30 wide receivers in the NFL that are more athletic than he is. But when you are that smart, um, and work that hard, like good things are gonna happen to you. Good. Yeah. Like, do I think he does this exact same production next year? No. This is a once in a lifetime year, right? Like, but like. He's not going to fall off a cliff next yeah. season. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing about Debo, Debo Samuel's season, right? Like, is he going to do it again next year? No. He's going to get paid. Nobody does it again once they get paid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's it's a like enjoy it while you're watching it because it's going to be a while before that happens again. Mm-hmm. And when something like that happens again, it's going to be a totally different player. But back to your – I think D'Amico made the adjustments on defense to get back to more of what we were playing against a high – like a high passing offense, like the Cincinnati Bengals and how you were able to take that away uh, more stunts up front. Um, our, Eric Armstead getting off the edge, getting inside, right. Lining both up inside, getting triple, triple covered and, uh, you know, triple teamed and freeing up lanes for Arden key yeah. and Samson Ibukam and, and Armstead, like those guys all balled out and that all started in the second half. But what did I tell you? It wasn't last week. It was the week before. I think it was last week what Chris Sims kind of alluded to with Kyle Shanahan's play calling style. It's, yes. He, he basically, he tests the He's, waters. He t- and that's what he did, man. Like Jimmy, listen, we weren't down 17, nothing because of Jimmy. Like it, like you see that one interception you threw in the first half. <laughs> all right. In his face, but we we're already down. We were already down 17. They didn't score off of that interception. So we were already down 17, nothing. They, he just, Okay. I'm setting you up. I'm planting seeds. I'm doing all that. Look, look what they did on the drive where Debo threw the passing touchdown. Mm-hmm. They ran the ball every single play. The only pass they threw on that drive was Debo's pass. Just planted the seed, planted the seed, planted the seed. And the biggest and the reason why that field goal was so important is because now it's a two possession game and it lets you come out in the second half and get back to what you do well. And that's run the football. If it's a three possession game, Maybe you're coming urgency. out slinging it. It's a little exactly a little bit more urgency. So, to me, it was Kyle being true to what he is, and like just reading what they're doing, putting little teasers out here to see how they react, and then he got into his bag. And the biggest thing was the uh, D'Amico Ryan's adjustment in the second half, moving around that defensive line and getting way. Dude, I mean, we were all over Stafford's ass in that second half, dude. You certainly were. You certainly were. All right, last question about the Rams, uh, and then what I want to get into real quick with the Cowboys. Sean McVay has never defeated Kyle Shanahan. Why? I don't just I don't subscribe to to Big Brother, right? Um, really? Because you, call, you call the 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 Seahawks the the Niners. They Big are. Brother. You know what I mean? But like, I don't subscribe to it. But it's a, it is a real thing, right? Like, and um, but I also think like. Kyle is Sean McVay's mentor. Like they, they did this together. I think one of the things about Kyle is he is very, very cerebral and very, very analytical and in tune. And I just think, I just think he, he has this, this edge. I I don't, I honestly, it's really hard to answer that question because like, this should have been the game. Dude, I mean, even last year, I think one of the games we won was like with like, I think Mullins was the quarterback. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it really just doesn't seem to to matter who you're trotting out there. Um, when we were like 
irrelevant last year with how many people we had out injured during the year um, and still kind of like smack them around. I just, I don't know. I think, I think Kyle knows enough about Sean to help coach up his defensive guys that like, this is what he wants to do. So try to take that away from him. And I think Kyle, the Rams are so offensive minded at times that I think Kyle's just like, I know, I know how to play against them. I just think we, our teams, like we just match up well against them. And it's not, it's less about Kyle and Sean and more about the players that are on the field. Like styles make fights, you know, like, I, we've all talked about Aaron Donald's the best pass rusher in the NFL. We don't often talk to him about it like he's the best run stopper in the NFL. Like, what have I said has always been the weakness of the Rams? Run it between the fucking tackles. You'll do just fine. Every team that's beat them, if you run it between the tackles and you they can control soft. the clock, like, they're soft up there. You call them a Twinkie. Like, they it, – it's what they are. And I think our team, they're finesse. We're built to bully. Yeah. the trenches is that i think that's the biggest difference okay okay so two questions with the cowboys uh game coming up uh this weekend uh won't don't want to go too much into detail because we're going to talk about you know our pickums uh in a little bit but first and foremost what scares you the most about this Dallas squad oh um i think they're, they're, kind of, they're kind of complete like they are their offense is good they're top like top like uh they six are. seven scoring offense and their defense has drastically improved. So I think they're, I think what scares me the most is they're a very opportunistic defense. Um, they're very good at creating turnovers and our team is not. And I think they can create turnovers. They can create short fields. They have the offense to take advantage of that. This is not a team that you want to play behind to catch up. Right, yeah, like they'll keep on going. They'll, they'll they'll put the foot on the throat, and I think that's what scares me the most. Believe it or not, like I'm not terribly intimidated by the wide receivers. I know they got good ones. I'm not terribly terribly intimidated by the the quarterback. He's a good one, and his style does kind of give us fits, like mobile guys. But I've seen, like I've I've seen D'Amico scheme this up against other top flight offenses, right, where they've slowed them down and like. You don't have to slow them down for all four quarters. Sometimes you can just slow them down for three quarters and you get enough out ahead or right. Like you take advantage um, of the clock. I mean, dude, let's not forget that the, the 49ers finished as a top three defense in the NFL mm -hmm. with outside of being a fan. Like, can you even name their, their cornerbacks? You know what I mean? Like, and dude, we were better statistically against the pass than they were against the run. And I would argue that we shut down other teams running games. So the offense doesn't scare me as much as their opportunistic defense, but for the, as opportunistic as their defense is, they're just as susceptible to big plays that we have to take advantage of. But the defense scares me the most. For, for me, uh, what I would say about the Dallas Cowboys is this. <clears throat> it's it's going to be weird to say this. They're a well-coached team. And what I mean by that, I don't mean McCarthy. At the coordinator level. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, I know Dan, exactly what you mean. Yeah. Uh, somehow, if I think the best thing. Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn. Yeah, if somehow McCarthy can get COVID and let just the, those two run the team, I think this uh, they're they're extremely well coached uh, yeah. from a coordinator level. I mean, no accident; these guys are getting interview requests, right? Like, no yeah. accident. Um, I, I they are well coached, but I would say that we are too. You know, our yeah. our coordinators are getting lauded for for opportunities. I think this is a good game. I think this is going to be a really good game. I think it's going to be um, a close game. 
And of all the teams we could have played in the first round, I, I do feel like we match up well against this team, is my okay. honest opinion. Last question, and then we'll we'll move on to our next segment. Yep. What do you feel like the 49ers need to absolutely do to avoid against these Dallas Cowboys? What do they have to avoid? Yeah. Turning turning the ball over. Turning the ball over. If we're not turning the ball over, like this is just like pure statistics, right? There's there's two things. Um, to avoid, and this is like the most obvious football statement, but they have to avoid turning the ball over specifically if it's Jimmy influenced turnovers, right? Like, because if you go back and look anytime that he's turned the ball over twice in a game, we don't win football games. I think it's like two and, and, two and six, two and six. Yeah. Like we don't win, we don't win football games. I just told you we're not built behind. The other thing that we need to avoid is to not sleep on how important it is to get Debo Samuel heavily involved in this game. Dude, there's a statistic out there. When he runs the ball more than five times in a game, this team is undefeated. So he needs to carry the ball five to ten times. I do that on the, fr- do on the first do on the first drive. I do it literally on the first two possessions. Like he'll have that that, that those counts, right? Um but that's 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 what it is. Um, okay. avoid turnovers. All right. All right. So we'll we'll talk more about it in a little bit too, I'm yeah. sure. So let's just real quickly because I'm looking at how much time we've already. Yeah, we kind of yeah. Um, offensive defensive players of the week, like we always do. Lou, give me give me an offensive guy. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm gonna, this is probably the last. I'm going last time I'm going to be talking about the Chargers until the end of the Super Bowl. Uh, Justin Herbert, 34 for 64, 383 yards, 11.3 average, three touchdowns, one interception. But what really stood uh, apart for me was that six fourth down conversions. I've never seen anything like this from a quarterback ever. Yeah, I, I have him on my list. I didn't have him right up there. Like the 64 attempts, I know that's what the game flow dictated, but that's really never a winning philosophy to have your quarterback throw the ball 64 times. But I what know that was more enamored was the fourth down. Yeah, uh, yeah versions. hard to ignore what he did on those yeah. final two drives. Um, I'm going to have a homer take here as well. I'm going to throw Debo up here as an offensive player of the week. He had four catches for 95 yards. He had eight carries for 45 yards and a touchdown. And this man threw a touchdown as well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I hate to be redundant, but the year that he's having it, it is. Uh, listen, I'm not going to go as far as to say he deserves to be offensive player of the year, but I think he could be considered for it. Probably, you know what I mean? Like probably three, like what he's doing right now, like he's shattering records, right? Like no wide receivers ever rush for as many yards as he has as many touchdowns as he has. Like he's, he's like creating this niche of like, um, Debo. Yeah. I know you want to use me as a bat, as a running back, but you're going to pay me like you pay a wide receiver because you could still put me out there. And, and you talked about the kind of guy that you want on your offense. This is that kind of guy, right? Yeah, like he now ha- when the ball now- is in his hands, there's now a comp like, you know, yeah. Randy Moss type of receiver or, you know, or a big physical receiver. There's a, now there is a comparison. We want a Debo type uh, receiver. Yep. And and it's hard not to root for this guy. I mean, first of all, his name's Debo. We grew up on the movie Friday, right? So there's so many memes and so many things that you can do to like, mm-hmm. uh, they actually joke, Kyle Shanahan joked because Debo just had his first kid. And they're like, this kid's going to be a first round draft pick because he's apparently like three weeks old and is already holding his own bottle by himself. <laughs> so they're like, he's going to be in the NFL before you know it. That's funny. Uh, so just going to have to call him DJ Debo Jr. All right. I, I have a, a uh, I go, let me get one, one more. Let me get right, one, one more. One more. One more. Dak Prescott, twenty-one yeah. to twenty-seven, two hundred ninety-five yards, fourteen-yard average, and five touchdowns. You're throwing five touchdowns. You're getting on my list. Well, that's that's the only reason why I have him up there, right? It's hard to ignore five TDs. 
You hear me? Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah um, so yeah, that's, yeah. The reason why I, that's the reason why I have him up there is because of the five TDs. Um, I also wanted to keep in mind, like, they basically played against the JV Eagle squad who, like, decided to sit the majority of their starters and whatnot. But listen, you get five touchdowns in a game. I don't care what it is. Like, you get on the list. So I had him. I throw Rashad Penny up there yep. one more time. He's 23 23 for 190 and a touchdown. Boy, he's – dude, he's finishing this season like Jonathan Taylor finished last season. You're right. Like, you're he's right. just coming on. About time. The first yeah, one gets yeah. to show up. He's going to get himself paid this offseason. Um, all right, let's get on the defense side of the ball. Who's your number one on defense? Uh, linebacker from the Seattle Seahawks, Jordan Brooks. 20 tackles. 20. Yeah, that was wild. Two tackles for a loss, too. So it's just the fact that it's just a volume there for me. When you have a 2-0 two, two in the front of the tackles, uh, you're going to be on my list. Yeah, that that's unique territory. Just so we're clear, I looked up our boy Olakon from he had Atlanta. Yeah, thirteen, right? Yeah, bro. This man, I'm telling you, like, wow. All right, I'm gonna find I'm gonna find Olaquan and I'm gonna tag him. All right, you have to, dude. I actually looked for him. There's a fan page of him that has like seven uh, followers, he doesn't have but I don't think media? he's on social media yet. Uh, um, I have Max Crosby. Um, he was literally in every statistical category that a yeah. defensive end can be seven tackles, two sacks, three tackles for a loss, three passes, defensed, four QB hits. I mean, he was everywhere. He wreaked havoc. Yeah. I mean, I could argue that he single handedly is the reason why, like, if you look, go back and look at the stat line of the, of Las Vegas's offense, like, I don't even Awful. know. If, I don't think Carr even broke 200 yards. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you have 108 yards and penalties. <laughs> that's also true, too, right? Like, that was a, a big thing um, in the game. Do you got another one on defense that you throw up, or is that your only? I mean, I can uh, – was it? I think the linebacker from Jacksonville, Damian Wilson, had five tackles, one sack, one interception, one forced fumble. I just like that he covered everything in yep. that, uh, that stat sheet there. Yep. I, I had Eric, Eric Armstead. Yeah, he tackles, was up there for me, too. Two and a half sacks, two tackles for a loss, three QB hits. Um, Again, he seemed to to be everywhere. All right. Yeah, but he didn't have that magic three for sacks. No, he did not, but he had the two and a half. You he, know? Was he, he was close. He was close. <laughs> All right. So, real quick, because we're going to be talking about winners and losers here in just a second, but our little sprint through the, the schedule perspective, just to recap. Lou, last week you were 10 and 6. Um, oh, I, was, I was 8 and 8. But I threw some Hail Marys up there because I you knew did. that I needed to come back. I hit on two of them. I lost on two of them, right? And that kind of was like the the difference there. Uh, but for the season, sir, you were 118, 72 and one. I was 112, 78 and one. So you were plus six games on me. Congratulations. Uh, we'll see what 2022 slash 2023 brings us. Um, and obviously those numbers look a little bit larger because I, I don't like what do we start week six, week seven, yeah. something like that. So um, we'll we'll be out in front of it. OK. Let's quickly touch on what's happening around the league right now. Most notable, you know, this week is obviously as, you know, informally known as Black Monday around the league as seasons ends, uh, coaches and GMs um, parted ways. Most notably, one that took place today. Um, with the Houston Texans and first-year coach David Culley um, being released of and relinquished of his duties. You got any commentary on that at all? I mean, I felt like it was so obvious, going, you know, just the hiring of him. Like, this guy's just going to be a one-and-done type of guy. And it's so sad that he was a scapegoat for this franchise. No one wanted that job, bro. No. 
No one no. wanted that job. He took that job. He's like, hey, it's my dream scenario to always be a head coach. Let me see what I can do type stuff. So kudos to him. Feel awful that he got fired? Because I felt like, unlike another uh, head coach who got fired earlier this week, Joe Judge, this guy had his team fighting for him. They were, you know, they were in close. Some, they were in, uh, in a lot of games. They won four games, granted two of them against Jacksonville. Uh, but the other two against the Titans and the Chargers, formidable uh, foes there. Uh, I thought he did a pretty damn good job with that with that roster. Yeah, I, I would challenge any coach to come in and do better than what he did with what he has. I mean, look what he got out of Davis Mills, like in the, the back half of, of the year. I just think he, to your point, right? Like it's something didn't feel right when he was hired in the first place and it felt like this was going to happen, but mm -hmm. he certainly was not set up to be successful in, in Houston. And I think it still remains a super unattractive job. And the main reason is because there is just too much uncertainty around like who's quarterbacking this franchise. Like is Deshaun Watson part of the go forward and if you don't have an answer to that, like, why would you want this job? So that was a little baffling to me is like, could they keep them there another year until they figure it out a little bit, you know, like replenish the the draft stock. Like if they have a similar season next year where they own some of their own draft picks, maybe that job becomes a little bit more attractive. Somebody walking in with a top five pick, you know, maybe in a little bit quarterback, more quarterback friendly draft class. Um, so I was, I was a little, I wasn't blown away, but I was a little shocked. Mm -hmm. All mm -hmm. right. Let's talk about some of the two in-season firings that took place. Um, Urban Meyer, Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, fired during the season. I'm, I'm going to summarize this real fast, and you can add whatever you want. This should never have been a hire in the first place. This was a laughing stock from get-go. I don't think anybody believed that he was going to change the fortunes in Jacksonville. I don't care what his college resume um, says. and I knew everything I needed to know about this man when Tim Tebow had an audition during training camp. And I know even more when Trent Baalke's the general manager down in Jacksonville because I've seen firsthand what that does to your roster over an extended period of time. I'm still floored that that man once upon a time won GM of the year. Um, but he won it off the heels of like bringing in Justin Smith, having a draft that yields you Alden Smith, uh, Chris Culliver, you know, guys that were getting recognition as rookies on the field. Uh, but he, to me, he's he's a joke of a general manager as well. So I, I I never liked the Urban Meyer. I've never liked Urban Meyer, period. That's more of a, a personal and personality type thing. And we saw what kind of human being he seems to be. He's good for headlines, but um, I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad he's out of the NFL, and I don't think he ever gets a shot in the NFL ever again. Yeah, I mean, here are some of those stories that uh... – we're going on him calling out his assistant coaches and things of that nature. This isn't college, man. This nope. isn't college anymore uh, where you can just talk down. to These are grown-ups. These are grown adults, uh, grown men. You can't be talking to people like that. I always feel like no matter where he went, he always left uh, the program disarray as soon as he left with all the scandals and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, so Urban Meyer was not a fit, but a lot of people believed in him. And a lot of people thought it was a good hire, believe it or not. So no, there are very few. I mean, dude, who's who could you argue at this point in time is one of the most successful college coaches of all time? Nick Saban, right? Like, not a good NFL coach. Some guys like their stick. I would even argue like Jim Harbaugh was a very good NFL coach. I know he wants to come back, but I would argue that his stick is better suited for the whole iron sharpens iron and that that is good when your 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 team is a revolving door right when new people come in and don't have to hear the same thing over and over and over again and dude 
outside of this stint at Michigan, everywhere he's been, three years at a time, four years at a time, when the stick wears thin. Um, certain people, you know, are, are cut out for it. Never thought Urban Meyer w- w- was going to be. All right, so the other in-season firing, for all of the right reasons, uh, a year too late, if you ask me, outside of the the reasons that came to light, but John Gruden of the, the Las Vegas Raiders. This one actually really interests me the most, Lou, because the interim coach who you talked about before, Rich Passaccia, he's done a hell of a job yeah, considering what is going on in Las Vegas and going on around them. Like, it's been a shit show there. I think you actually have to – how often does an interim interim head coach get the shot and it work out? Not often, right? Like, yeah. Not often. But I think he deserves a shot to have this as a full-time job. I agree. You see the players playing for him and trying hard for him. They've been through a lot. And the fact that they're even in the playoffs. I'm not a Raiders fan. I don't, I, I think – I, this is this this is, I'm really trying to be a, a you know a completely objective here. I think they're an awful team. I don't think they're good at all. Um, it's just that you know, but he's he's made was with the old set you know the old saying like you made was a, a wine out of water type stuff like that. I feel like he's done a great job with that team. I wanted to talk because I'm actually talking to some buddies of mine about Joe Judge. Do you think he got a bad rap? Because Gettleman was an awful GM, the, the team was injured. Um, do you think this should all fell on Joe Judge? Yes, uh, yes, yes, and yes. I agree. Uh, by the way. I, I agree that Gettleman like was Screw not, that. Yeah, it did nothing to help. Right? Like we're gonna bring in the hog mollies. I didn't see one hog molly come in there that was made any impact whatsoever. Um, Joe Judge is another one of these guys that comes from the the Belichick tree, and what we're quickly finding out is that doesn't really work out the way that it used to from some other trees. And um, a guy who's never really accomplished much, you know, like first time head coach and whatnot. Like you said before, these are grown ass men. Like you know, Belichick had to earn that stick. You know what I mean? Like he made his bones. He'd been in the league for a long time before he took over New England's head coaching job and and brought in that mentality. And some of these guys. Don't want to hear it. And, dude, you play in New York. That's You coach in New York. There are expectations here. I think the only reason why he might have held on to his job is because uh, Joe, uh, John Mara and company and Steve Tisch were probably reluctant to say, I can't get rid of another coach in we two years. We failed again. We failed yeah, again. Yeah, like that's a tough pill to swallow. But you know what? Kudos to them saying, you know what? Like, no. Like, this is a once a proud franchise. Like, we need to get this thing right. And Joe Judge was, I, I don't think he was the right it's, fit from it's, day it's one. It's funny. I'm, I'm not sure if you saw the, the Mara uh, press conference. It was a really brutal press conference from the media to Mara and what have you. But basically, Mara was saying that every week was like the worst week of his life. It almost sounded like office space when he was going to the therapist and talking about it. So he's like, is today the worst day of your life? He's like, yes. So, Mara literally came out that every week got worse and worse than the week prior. And I just feel like Joe Judge was weighing over his head, trying this tough guy shtick. Didn't work out. There were no results. Um, it just was embarrassing. He was making fun of other teams. They had a brawl in the, uh, in the offseason and with Daniel Jones under the pile. This guy was way over his head. Uh, I, I didn't see any chance or, or you know rumor improvement from uh, that team. It's, it's just been a joke these last couple of years with uh, Joe judge. Dude, I, I knew everything I needed to know. I, I mean, the proof was in the pudding, of course, based on performance, but like 
when you're holding a press conference to say you're not a clown show, and you're a clown show. Play, yeah. <laughs> like if you're holding a conference to say there's no turmoil here, there's turmoil there, right? Like you're literally calling it out like that. That's yeah. all you needed to know. And I, I honestly think that press conference is probably the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. Like it was like, all right, this this is enough. Um, but real, real quick, I know, I know we're going to short on time, whatever. But you said this whole Belichick thing, how the uh, how they come out of this uh, tree. Joe Judge being that alpha personality kind of a dick, you know, person. That's what got Brian Flores fired too. By the way, yeah. having tr- having issues with the GM and the owner, uh, you know, thinking that he was better than them and stuff like that. It wasn't because of performance; it was because of the attitude. Yeah, I, and this one actually shocks me the most, dude, because I like Brian Flores. And what yeah, but he was butting team? heads with them, man. Of course he was, but like, here, here's the like, you're right. Like, he is a no nonsense BS guy, but it's a lot more believable when I look at Brian Flores and like what he like just looks like and feels like and the way he carries himself. I'm like, damn, I wouldn't take shit from anybody either if I was him, you know. But like, here's the problem. He went to a shitty run franchise like Chris Greer as the general manager. Like this is Miami. They're trying to sell tickets. They want flash. They want this. Like, so the Brian Flores hiring felt weird to begin with, but how can you argue with the results? And you want to know why Brian Flores is my guy? Cause I heard this week when all this was unfolded that he wanted <laughs> nothing to do with Tua tug of Viola and Justin Herbert was his guy and who that's he the, wanted that's, that's how debatable. i know what this man you, you hear knows what, he told, what he's talking you hear what about he already told, he told tua he told tua he's like we should have took mac jones <laughs> they should have they should have dude what did i say what the dolphins should do when they were in the draft and they were that high at the first place before yeah. the trade with the 49ers took i said they should take a quarterback you did, did you i did. not say that we could go back and find it. they should take a quarterback and you know what dude so far feeling really good about my my interpretation <laughs> of Justin Herbert and I'm feeling even better about my interpretation of Tua Tagovailoa. Look, I would love for Tua to be successful. I don't want anybody to be a bust in the NFL. Like go make your money like you know, it's a highly scrutinized business. People shit on you all the time. It's not fair. People don't shit on me at work all the time. They don't shit on you at work all the time because it's not public facing. Like yeah, like maybe one or two people. It is what it is. That's part of the employment. That's why we get paid. But like as a public figure, man, like these guys get destroyed, and I am a huge critic of them. I'd rather them be good so I didn't have to talk about it, but it feels good when I'm right about it, you know? <laughs> so real quick, we won't dive into the other ones, but just items of note, right? Chicago Bears, GM Ryan Pace, Coach Matt Nagy, gone. You're too late. Dem- You're too late. Dem- Dem- yeah, w- definitely a year too late. Uh, Denver Broncos, Vic Fangio, gone. Probably a year too late as well. Love Vic. One of the greatest defensive minds that I've I've ever seen in the time that I'm watching football. Just not a real inspiring head coach is what it mm-hmm. comes down to. And then the Vikings, GM Rick Spielman gone after like 16 years in the organization, and Coach Mike Zimmer fired. Yeah, um, they need to like shake. About, yeah. They need to shake up. Like yeah. Zimmer's a scapegoat in this instance. Like only so much he can do. Um, he will land on his feet. He will go take over somebody's defense in very short order. I'm not worried about that. Um, I'm sure he's made enough money where he can easily just say, like, I'm taking a year off of football yeah, as well. And do yourself a favor. You and our listeners, go to Google, type in Mike Zimmer girlfriend. He's fine. This guy's fine. Yeah, he's doing all right. I, do she, you know about this or no? I don't think I've seen her, but I thought I heard the rumors that she's, like, she's young too, right? Like Smoke he's show. way out of his Smoke league. Show. Yeah, he's way out of his league. So he's got game. He's doing something right. Yeah. All right. So let's pro- let's uh, proceed here. Wild card weekend, Lou. Um, let's just spend a few moments on each game, right? Like yeah. I'm, I'm sure you have plenty of notes. I have plenty of notes as well. But 
you know, we're already well over an hour into the show here as well. But what's pretty cool is we have our first ever Monday night wildcard game, um, which is is pretty exciting. So we got games Saturday night, Saturday, Sunday and and Monday night. So pretty awesome uh, opening weekend of the NFL playoffs here. So I just went in order with the way I listed these out on the schedule. Right. So first game up, you have the Las Vegas Raiders at the Cincinnati Bengals. Give me some thoughts, and most importantly, give me give me your prediction. Yeah, real quick, uh, the Raiders are not going to get bailed out like they did against the Chargers. L.A. was the third most penalized team in the NFL this year with 116 penalties. Cincinnati is the second least with only 72 penalties. I just So they're not going to get bailed out from that standpoint. I just don't understand how the Raiders are going to shut down this Bengals loaded offense. That's multidimensional. <clears throat> they have Higgins, Chase. Boyd and the third leading rusher in the NFL and Joe Mixon, who had 1,200 yards this year. The whole purpose of a Gus Bradley def- a cover three uh, defense, we, we said before, is don't blitz. You drop your boundary cornerbacks deep. You have your free safety room in the middle of the field. And basically, you, you're splitting the field into thirds and you're trying to limit big plays. But in order for that to work, you have to get pressure with your front four. And that's disconnect here. The Bengals have given up the third most sacks in the, this year with 55, but the Raiders the 13th worst in terms of sacking the quarterback. So they haven't really been getting home when it comes to quarterback. So the only way this is a game, I feel like, if that front four can do what they did against the Chargers, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I personally have uh, the Bengals winning this game. Yeah, so I my, my thoughts are very similar. I will say the Raiders have done a better job at getting pressure over the last few weeks, um, and, and it's coming along. I mean, they took advantage of a, a poor right side of an eye offensive line last week um no secret to to you yeah. uh, but i agree right it's going to be tough sledding to shut down that offense they are multi-dimensional uh, the only way they win this game is if they get the burrow that's it like there's no other other way around there's it a but chance, like i said there's a, there's a chance absolutely um on the flip side though the Bengals' defense is pretty opportunistic themselves right and they they get after the the pat the quarterback quite a bit as well i mean what trey hendrickson just got all pro was he not i mean having a, a year that even as a free agent acquisition you and i were like why'd you get rid of carl lawson for this guy and this guy balled out um but so I, you, I too i like sensing in this game you said it right though the Bengals defense uh is pretty damn good and offense offensively for the raiders they're not that good they're the 11th worst scoring offense in the league they've only had 37 touchdowns this year yeah they're they're um listen i when they're bad, they're bad, the Raiders. I, I My hat goes off to Derek Carr, right? Being a quarterback Ugh. of this team in this scenario, and I, I don't know where he developed this, like, Texas accent. out of California. Dude's a, dude's a California guy. Um, it's working for him, whatever it is. But, like, I mean, my hat goes off to him, man. Like, he's played through, just <laughs> like Versace has coached through this. Like, he's had to play for this. He's had to be the face of this team. He's had to take the brunt of him, brunt of it, and they are where they are. Um, but I, I – it stops here. Cincinnati wins this football game. Yep, I agree. All right. New England at Buffalo. Lou, who does not love a rubber match? This is, of all the games that we're going to be talking about right now, it was the hardest game for me to decide who's going to win. Uh, Because New England handedly defeated the Bills the first matchup. And I understand you got the weather. But then I felt like the Bills handily defeated New England a couple of weeks back when they played him at New England. So this this one I kept on going back and forth. Mac Jones has cooled off over the last couple of weeks. 
Uh, if you look at the last five games, his touchdown interception ratio is basically one to one. He's had six touchdowns, five interceptions. Now, if you take out the game where he played the Jaguars, where he had three touchdowns, you can see it's it's negative his touchdown interception ratio. So I'm a little worried about uh, possible rookie quarterback regression. They don't need him to you know be an all world beater, but they do need him to be efficient and that you know so they can run the ball, play defense, not turn over. But he hasn't been good the last five weeks, uh, in my opinion. Um, all that being said, I'm interested to see pretty much the weather conditions in this Buffalo Bills rush defense. Can they stop the run? If you look who Buffalo has trouble with, stopping physical rushing attacks, they've lost against the Colts, the Bucks, the Titans, and Patriots twice. They're one and four in those matchups. Uh, and now they're saying that the weather's possibly going to be bad uh, this Saturday. So that's a little ner- uh, nervous right there if you're a Bills fan. But I feel like Buffalo's starting to realize that because they're trying to change their offense. Now they're trying to, they've been, if you look at a Singletary and his output he's been playing over the last couple of weeks, they've increased his rushing uh, attempts per uh, game. So I feel like they're trying to rush the ball more and not rely so, so much on uh, Josh Allen. All that being said, long winded, I flipped a coin and ended up on heads. So I'm picking the Buffalo Bills. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Long winded, uh, right? No, listen, that's perfect. That's, that's why, that's why we're here. Um, so this one was difficult for me as well because of everything you just said, right? They split the series and both road teams won, right? So nobody won at home, and this is a home game for the Buffalo Bills. And I know we're talking about Bill Belichick in the playoffs and whatnot, but I think this comes down to how far along is the rookie quarterback. Weather is going to play a huge part if it is a bad weather game and both teams have to do what they did in their earlier matchup. Nod goes to... Uh, New England, I don't think the weather is going to be anywhere in comparison to what it was in that particular game because the wind was the biggest thing, right? Like you couldn't air that out. Although you still saw Josh Allen airing that hoe out through 40-mile-an-hour winds like it was nothing. Yep. I mean, dude played in Montana, right? Like he, he's he's seen all of that. Um, long story short, uh, to me, this is – I'm taking the home team. I'm taking the Buffalo Bills. Yep. Okay. Philly at Tampa. You want to go first this one? I feel like I, you know, I don't want to steal any. I think right. stealing some thunder. But you go first. Yeah. Um, Philly has the number one running attack in the league. Tampa Bay has like a top three rush defense yep. in the NFL, right? So like iron sharpens iron, strength against strength. I think that gets nullified. So Philly's going to win this game. It's Jalen Hurts is going to have to make some big plays, and it's not going to be with his legs. It's going to be putting the ball in the air. Um, I just don't know if, how likely that is. I haven't seen enough from him. Like he's at his best when he's scrambling, running around, backyard football. Uh, I just think Tom Brady's going to be too much for them. This is a home playoff game for the defending champions and the goat at quarterback. I've give me Tampa Bay all day in this game. I've learned. Well, I'll wait. What I'm going to say. So, <clears throat> yeah, Philly finished the season strong, going seven and three the last ten games. But look at the wins they had: Detroit, Denver, New Orleans, the Jets. Washington twice and the Giants. I mean, not really gives you so much confidence uh, what they, you know, how scary these Eagles could be. You you said it right now perfectly. Strength for strength, Philly's rushing attack, the most they had the most the best rushing attack this year versus the Bucks rushing uh, defense. But I also looked at something else. <clears throat> First of all, Philly is the, has the least most least passing attempts of the year, so they don't really pass the ball a lot, and so. They are really one-dimensional when it comes from an offensive standpoint. 
ironically, because they started off not running the ball this year. But another thing I looked at, strength versus weakness here. Bucks passing offense is like ranks in the top 10 in everything. Top 10 in attempts, completion percentage, yards per attempt, yards, they're ranked first. Passing touchdowns, they're ranked first. Now, why am I say that? The Eagles passing defense allows the highest completion percentage in the NFL, 69, <laughs> nice, 0.4%. So what I'm saying here, I think I you can't bet against Brady. And when a team's le- le- basically letting up 70% of uh, passes, defense, you got to go with that. Uh, you got to go with Tampa here. Yeah. Um, I, I listen. You could just say Tom Brady against yeah. the Eagles team. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to call I Philadelphia it, fraudulent for making the playoffs, but it feels a little fraudulent. Guess what? I'll do. I'll I'll, I'll go one further. Philadelphia is a fraud. <laughs> okay, there we go. Eagle fans, that's your man. All right, next one up. I want to start this one too. I uh, think I know where you go. <laughs> this is the San Francisco 49ers at the Dallas Cowboys. So for all the obvious reasons, I'm most intrigued by this game. I'm a 49ers fan. But, Lou, this is a throwback to my childhood in terms of matchups, right? This was the NFC Championship game year after year after year. Younger 49er fans don't even realize that this is an an actual rival. I know I talk all the time about how I hate the Seahawks. There's actually no team in the NFL that I hate more than the Dallas Cowboys because – of my childhood. I've had some years to get over it. It's been a while since we played some meaningful football, but when this happens, dude, I caught myself rewatching the 1994 NFC championship game again, like John Madden, Pat Summerall soundtrack to me growing up watching football, covering those games. Here's what it is. Dallas has the number one overall offense. We talked about it in forward 49ers finish with the number three defense. 49ers are going to have to do exactly what they did to the Rams in the second half, to the Bengals for three quarters of a game. That's how you have to play this offense. you got to limit the big plays. That's what it boils down to, right? Everything's got to be hard. It's got to be third and eight plus. Um, And if they convert, they convert. But you got to go off the field every once in a while. Um, To me, I think the 49ers will take away the run from the Cowboys, right? I am very impressed with our run defense. I'm I'm, I'm not uber impressed with their rushing attack right now, like – Pollard scares me a little bit because he's a little bit more explosive, but I think we'll swallow Zeke. Like, I think we will swallow Zeke. Yeah, I have this in my notes, too. Their rushing attack has been very uh, subpar the last couple of weeks. Yep. And I think because they're still, those running backs are still banged up. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping they are, right? Because that, that bodes well for us. I talked about how mobile quarterbacks, you know, just give us an issue. So, how do we scheme up against that? Scheme up against that. Good news for 49ers. Trent Williams says he's playing this game, right? Like, we just beat the Rams. and I mean, Von Miller was going against a dude who literally did not dress for a single game this year until that game and held Von to one sack, right? So you're getting the best left tackle. Dude, did you see that In all out of all the years that PFF has been giving a grade that Trent Williams was the highest rated player ever, like, in, in out of their grade? I mean, dude, he's phenomenal. He is. Uh, they're, they're, you want to know how the 49ers win this game? They pound the football. They they play the time of possession game, and they keep the da- Dallas offense off the field. So expect to see a ton of Elijah Mitchell, a ton of Debo Samuel. Um, I like the 49ers' chances, um, but their playoff game for them might have been last week. And that's a tough game to reduplicate the effort. So I am – Maybe even in guarding my heart, I'm picking the Dallas Cowboys to win this game. Oh, you are a coward. <laughs> coward. Is, hey, quick, quick question. Is this a must-win game? 
<laughs> You're fucking right it is. <laughs> All right. So, okay. So, a couple of things. <clears throat> the 49ers cannot play four quarters of football, it looks like. I know I'm being a little harsh here. They are literally a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde team. They started out slow uh, the last two games against both the Texans and Rams, regardless of the situation, the scenario. Yep. Uh, and also, but if you look weeks prior, they came out fast against the Bengals and Titans, only to lay eggs in the second half. I know they beat the Bengals, so this is going to be imperative to play all four all four quarters. And that sounds so cliche, and I hate saying that, but they're they're they can't start, they can't afford to start slow, and they can't afford to let the Cowboys back in the game. They're going to have to dominate, and we're they're going to have to dominate. I think is the trenches. My matchup because I'm a chubby guy, I love the trenches. San Francisco's front four versus that Dallas offensive line. San Francisco's fifth in the NFL with 48 sacks, while the Cowboys are 11th best in the league in Atlanta, only 33 sacks this year. I think if you can, you're saying Dak is mobile, he moves, but he doesn't really, he's not a rushing threat. No, but but he's elusive in the pocket, right? Yeah. So, so I think that's where you, how you guys win by causing fits. And that offensive line, Dallas is good. I get it, but they're not like, they're not intimidating like they used to be. I think after I was, what I saw you guys do to the Rams uh, offensive line last week, I know they're not good too, but I just feel like you can carry the momentum um, against Dallas. And I so think you've got, you've got one thing. There's a revenge game alert here. Dan Quinn versus Kyle, Kyle Shannon. Shannon. How do you not mention that? That's like and, one of the yep. biggest storylines here. All that being said. Because a long time ago – Kyle coaching a totally different offense at the time with a totally different skill sets. I don't think it's as, I mean, it's a revenge game and I know we like to talk about revenge games, but I don't think it's uh I know I'm just throwing it in there for, to make it more yeah. dramatic right now. Um, I think the Niners will be able to, uh, you know, um, have a efficient running attack. The Niners don't pass the ball often, but they have the 12th best passing offense. Go figure. So they're very yeah. efficient on that standpoint too. Did a lot of work on this game because I want to step up my, you know, game for you. I'm worried about the Dallas's rushing attack. And I don't think they can run against you guys. All that being said, it's still Dallas. And Dallas, for the last like couple of decades, they're choke artists. And this is coming down to coaching. Kyle versus McCarthy. I'll take Kyle 10 times out of 10 on Sunday. I'm going to the Niners. All right. We love it. We love it. We love your enthusiasm. Um, listen, I, I feel good about the game, right? Like I do. Like I'm not yeah, going to. You're being in. a coward. You don't have no I'm balls. Yeah, you, you think, bro. You deep down inside. You looked up to how a lot of tell a, how how are you gonna tell a testicular cancer survivor that they have no balls? Yeah, that's a, I, I, I outed I, you like that towards me, bro. Oh, you, you think I'm gonna be in bad? I, I tell only facts, <laughs> nothing but stats and facts for me. <laughs> all good, all good. I'm guarding the heart a little bit, but listen, yeah, I, I like the matchup, you know, like I feel good going into it. It's just, um. Spoiler alert, I went with all home teams, right? Like, I just feel like that was the way in the playoffs. All okay. right, Pittsburgh, Kansas City. Um, we already saw this game this year. Uh, it didn't go well for Pittsburgh. And I think, you know, in Big Ben's final season and potential final game is a real cute story. Not as cute as, like, Ray Lewis's, like, last hurrah and how they pulled that off. But, you know, Pittsburgh's offense to me is just absolutely anemic. Um, and they're going to have to score a lot of points to beat the Chiefs at home. And I just don't see TJ Watt and company having much success getting after Mahomes. Um, there is an X factor for me here. Tyreek Hill. 
how healthy, not healthy. He's been absent from this offense, slowed it a little bit. Like I know they're still scoring, uh, but even if he, even if he was a non-factor to me, it's like, it's not enough. Um, I like KC all day long in this game, not even close, like not even close football game. What do you want me to say here about this game? Just pick, I, give me your winner or loser. <laughs> like, I'm still pissed the fact that the Steelers are in the playoffs because just from a watchability standpoint, from a it, tie against the Detroit Lions that they should have lost anyway. It, it's not just that. It's just that, like, we're forced to watch this game, really. Yeah. You know, what I said about the Raiders offense, how awful they've been. Well, guess what? The Steelers are even worse. They have less, they have only 34 touchdowns this year. Um, oof, the only chance they really have is by, you know, rushing, you know, the, uh, by trying to, uh, apply some pass rush against Mahomes, but the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line is pretty damn good. What I'm really watching for this game is can Big Ben throw a pass greater than 10 yards? Like, seriously, only Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence had lower throwing averages than Big Ben's 6.2 average yards. So, uh, all King side, they're going to have to see if that Steelers' chamois cloth defense can go into Arrowhead and pressure the hell out of Mahomes. I don't see it happening. I think this game is a snooze fest. Not that like the Chiefs offense is what it once was, but I still I, the still this this is a bad Steelers team in my opinion. And you said they destroyed them a couple of weeks back when they played them in Kansas City. The, the Chiefs did. They didn't have Kelsey yeah. that game, so they have Kelsey now. All right, Hill may be a little banged up, but you might not need him. And guess what? You can always rush the ball because. The Steelers make the Chargers def- rushing, uh, running defense look like you know the Great Wall of China. <laughs> so uh, this is going to be a snooze fest. This won't, just won't be enjoyable. Kansas City Chiefs. All right. Last and final wild card game. Arizona Cardinals at the Los Angeles Rams. I'll let you start. These are both teams I don't believe in whatsoever. Uh, <clears throat> Arizona's one and four in the last five games, and I just feel like their offense is extremely disjointed, uh, especially with the uh, absence of uh, Hopkins. Everyone caught up to the air raid offense. This is what Arizona does. I feel like every year they start off hot and they kind of fizzle and sputter towards the end. Uh, at Los Angeles, they are 5-1 and one their last six games, but, damn, they looked pretty damn bad uh, in that second half against you guys. Um, they defeated the Cardinals last time, 30-23, when they played on December 13th. I will say I'm picking the Rams because I feel like them losing in the fashion they lost to, you know, the San Francisco 49ers last week was actually perhaps a teachable moment and maybe like a a slap in the face. Like, Hey, wake up type thing. So I do think the Rams beat the Cardinals. Yeah. um, This was actually the hardest game for me. That Uh, Buffalo game was hard for me, but this, but I see these teams all year. Right. So like I'm the, I am per- just as perplexed as to like, listen, it's similar to New England, Buffalo, right? Like they split the series, both road teams won. Um, so nobody like dominated at home. The, I, I, I agree, like, again, the Cardinals, as you mentioned, lost four of their last five. They were one time 10 and two, bro. And now they finished the season at whatever it is, like 10 and 11 and six or whatever. Um, so it felt like that it was fraudulent the way that they started and they were doing it like with, out players and and whatnot and and convincingly beating teams and I, I think what's even crazier about this is that the Cardinals had a chance to win the division they just had to beat the the Seahawks and the Seahawks are not the Seahawks of old 
uh, in their own building, and they just had to beat Seattle. And then based on the 49ers winning, then they're division champs, and they're hosting this game. You know, the Rams, even though they lost the game because Arizona lost, they <laughs> they were awarded the NFC West title after a loss, right? Because <laughs> that's just the way that it went. Like, even McVay was like, we're not celebrating this. Uh, but for me, I agree wholeheartedly with you. Whoever wins this, the, the one who wins this game to me is the one that's lost last week hurts the most because they don't want they want that taste out of their mouth. And I think the Rams lost to the 49ers for so many reasons hurts the most. And right now they're just playing even both coming off a loss over the last four or five weeks. The Rams are just playing better football. Uh, so, again, give me the home team. I'm, I'm going with the Los Angeles Rams in the house that Debo Samuel built. It's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, Stafford hasn't been good the last three games. He's had seven interceptions. And let's not forget about the ghost of Stafford Pass, perhaps starting to creep in this week. I know I said the Rams, but I said that reluctantly. He can't beat teams above 500. And if you look at his playoff record, he's 0-3 in the playoffs and hasn't been to the playoffs since 2016. So I, I said the Rams because I just think the Cardinals are that much worse. Like I said, it's a difficult game. It doesn't mean it's like going to be the best matchup in the world. It's just a different, difficult game to, yeah. to pick because of like it's the tale of two cities for both of these teams. They both started on fire. They both started with like, well, these are the two best teams in like the NFL, the way that they were starting, you know, and it just feels different at the end, whether it's not having DeAndre or whether it's Stafford's like legacy and history creeping up with him. Um, you know, it, it's different. So, all right, we're out of there. We picked our winners. We'll come back and check what it looks like that bracket up behind us because Lou it's our, our final segment before we get out of here uh, let's talk about Super Bowl matchups and who's winning do you want to go first or you want me to go first I'll let you go first alright my Super Bowl matchups the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Green Bay Packers uh, I'm much, I am actually much more confident in my prediction from the NFC than I am in the AFC I just think I like Kansas City's offense more than the rest of the AFC, and to me that's kind of what it boils down to. But in the AFC, I, I literally just do not see anyone beating Green Bay this year. I think this is the year after two consecutive NFC championship losses that they get over the hump. I think Rodgers is motivated. I think the big difference this year is that they do have a pretty dynamic one-two punch at running back. Um, and they have home field advantage. So anybody who's coming to play them has got to play in cold weather. And I've been saying this for a while about A.J. Dillon. You do not want to tackle this man in cold weather. So it's an opportunity to impose your will. And doesn't matter the weather. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are still going to do whatever they want to you. The biggest defense for Green Bay is they're packing a defense with them this time and a mm -hmm. defense that's that's playing. So I think they, I think they rather easily and rather unscathed get out of the NFC. Um, and when all said and done, when those teams go together, uh, I know it'll be played in a dome, but um, I just think this is the year for the pack. So I'm going Green Bay Packers are going to win the Super Bowl this year. There's one thing that you forgot to mention is that the the Aaron Rodgers piggy toe that goes wee, wee, wee all the way home, it's going to be healthy too. Yeah, he gets, so that, he gets that extra week. Gets that extra week. And they're getting players back, Jari Alexander, uh, I think they're getting Whitney Merciless back, believe it or not. Uh, they're getting uh, – they got Bakhtiari back. They're starting to get healthy. And like you said, 
their defense ha- uh, has dramatically improved this year. I am also going Green Bay. Now, and like I said, I thought for me it was a no-brainer in, in the NFC. Now, the AFC. I'm going to get – I want to say the Chiefs, right? I want to say the Chiefs, but I'm not going to. And I feel like if – I can either be look really bad right now or <laughs> or really smart. If the Buffalo Bills defeat the New England Patriots, the Bills are going to the Super Bowl. So what I'm saying is I predicted them to beat Nothing. New England. So I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, and I'm saying it's going to be Buffalo Bills and Green Bay Packers, and Aaron Rodgers gets his second uh, Super Bowl uh, victory. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Dude. Yeah, I'm doing my I'm doing my Chris Bourbon. I almost made this like listen, remember how many years in a row I picked the Buffalo Bills to play the 49ers in the Super Bowl? It was like 10 <laughs> years in a row. And now it's actually a possibility, right? It's not reality, but it, so I almost put the 49ers and the Bills in it just so I can say nobody yeah. circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills and do my my Berman impression. Um listen, I mean could it be near the Buffalo gets over the hump, right? They've had some struggles in the in the playoffs for sure. And like I said, in the AFC, like the only the only tough. game that scares me with Buffalo the only is New England. Scared, it's is the only one New they don't England match game. up well against, right? Yeah. It's styles make fights. We've talked about this all the time. All right, Lou. We both got the pack. Um, and then maybe Rogers will just leave Green Bay and he can go away, or maybe walk out into the sunset and one less dominant team in the NFC, one less quarterback to worry about. Um, but that wraps us up, man. So we're heading into wild card weekend. That's our recap of week 18, six games on the docket this week. We'll come back next week, recap these, talk about, um, what the divisional round looks like. We're not changing our Super Bowl predictions. Even if the person team gets eliminated, Oh, good news for us is we pick somebody that doesn't even play until next week anyway. So we can still ride that, um, ride that wave if we want in terms of the winner, but, but that's it, man. 18 weeks of content so far uh, during the regular season. It's been a ton of fun for you. I'm looking to our, our ton of fun with you, and I'm looking forward to our, our playoff coverage. Uh, as I always do, rely on you to tell everybody where they can find us. On Instagram and Twitter at WTF Pod NFL. And find us on YouTube at We're Talking Football. I'm Weston. That's Lou. Everybody enjoy the games this weekend. Bill's Mafia. <laughs>